The views, ideas, and content of well seekers and their guests are their own opinions, and you should always seek additional professional help around any of the issues discussed here on Well Seekers. Hello, and welcome to Well Seekers. I'm Lucia. Thanks for joining us and journeying with the seekerhood as we are out on a quest to seek and find ways to live happy and well from our mind down. I am so excited about today's topic. If you've been with us the last few weeks, we're doing a series on chronic illness. Um, It's something that is particularly of interest to me because I struggle with autoimmune. And through this process, guys, I've actually found out and am about to be tested for, even though I've already have all of the signs of something called lupus. And it's been through this series that I've actually discovered that I may have, instead of six autoimmune disease or whatever many autoimmune diseases I have um, been diagnosed with, that I actually may just have one. And that one is lupus. So I'm going to keep you guys up to date on that. But it literally was through conversations that I've had during the duration of this series that I put all the marks together and realized that my chronic illnesses that I've dealt with, my autoimmune issues may actually just be one. Well Seekers, I have to say, has personally transformed my life as I go and get tested finally for something that may change my life and my direction. So even if that is the one thing that's happened through the course of this, this show has actually helped my life. And you guys and connecting with all of you guys and hearing your stories has helped me tremendously. So I just want to say thank you so much to everyone that listens. You all know that my love and my passion is stories and people's stories, but also healing your mind and your mood. Our mind and our emotions have so much control and power. The narratives that we tell ourselves about ourselves have so much control and power over our lives and our bodies and our spirits. And that connection through um, chronic illness and depression is something that I know exists because I've dealt with it before. So often when you have a chronic illness, whether that chronic illness is depression or that chronic illness is something physical like mine has been, depression is a side effect. So many people can say when they can't, you know, see your illness if you have an autoimmune or it's not something, one of the big major ones where they feel like it's okay to be depressed. So many people are like, well, just snap out of it. It's just, you know, you just have this disease. And that really is difficult if you are someone that struggles with a chronic illness that affects you. Depression is one of those side effects and it's something to be acknowledged, but it's also something that can be dealt with. So on today's show, we have an incredible guest coming on to talk about how you can manage depression and chronic illness. Just to share you know, a few stories about my own experience, I know that there's been times where I have had flare-ups of my disease and have felt like, is this really happening or is this all in my mind? And the reality is it was not all in my mind. It never has been all in my mind. That can lead to depression or being in bed when it's a bright sunny day out and all you want to do is be outside, but you're sick. Not being able to do the things you want to do can lead to depression. So regardless of the chronic illness that you have, depression can definitely be a side effect. I was reading some research done and it was talking about how millions of people have the side effect of depression and chronic illness, of course, a condition that lasts for a very long time and can be cured. That's the definition of chronic illness. Many people suffer from depression. Now, the risk of depression, according to this study that was done but published on WebMD, it says that the risk of depression is generally 10 to 25% for women who struggle with chronic 
illness. So if you have a chronic illness, about 10 to 25 percent of women with chronic illness will also be diagnosed with depression and five to 12 percent of men. Overall category, people with chronic illness have a much higher risk. So 25 to 33 percent of people with chronic illness suffer from depression. Now, here are some of the large chronic illnesses and then the numbers that equate with depression. So anyone that has a heart attack, 40 to 65% of those people experience depression. Anyone with coronary heart disease, 18 to 20% of those people experience depression. Parkinson's disease, 40% of those people experience depression. MS, which is multiple sclerosis, 40% experience depression. If you've had a stroke, 10 to 27% experience depression. Cancer, 25% experience depression. And this is all reported, you guys. So the margin of error with self-reports can be quite large. So it could be significantly more than this. Diabetes, 25% experience depression, chronic pain, 30 to 54% end up experiencing depression. Now this is diagnosable depression. So what can we do with this and how can we live life happy and well when we have chronic illness? Well, our guest today is going to come on and give us some tools and solutions to dealing with chronic depression when you have a chronic illness. Her name is Dr. Danica Harris, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy and get a lot out of what she has to say. She is a therapist in Dallas, Texas. She co-owns Empowered Healing in Dallas, which is a private practice where she provides trauma-informed therapy using an interpersonal and attachment-based approach. She also works as a clinical professor at Texas Women's University in the Counseling Psychology Department. So we will be right back with Dr. Danica Harris on Wellseekers. You're listening to Wellseekers, a show where the journey is just as important as the destination. You want to be part of the Seekerhood? It's easy. Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com. Hey guys, it's Lucia. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Now, I know we're on a break and we're waiting for our guests to come back on. So in the meantime, make sure you check out wellseekers.com for all the latest and greatest simple and easy tools to help you live life well, to build a stronger mind, a stronger body, a stronger spirit, and a stronger life to help you live happy and well. We've got blogs, we've got videos, and we've got tools. We've also got empowering stories and solutions on all of our podcasts. So if you've missed an episode or you want to check out more, make sure to hang out on the site and become part of our seekerhood at wellseekers.com. Now, without further ado, let's get back to our guest. And we are back on Wellseekers with our guest, Dr. Danica Harris. Danica is a therapist in Dallas, Texas, who co-owns Empowered Healing Dallas, a private practice where she provides trauma-informed therapy using an interpersonal and attachment-based approach. Dr. Danica Harris, thank you so much for joining us today on Wellseekers. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be joining you. We were talking before um, we started recording and you guys, you have to check out Danica's Instagram because <laughs> it is, it's beautiful, really. The, the things that you post, the saying, sometimes I just go on there and I'll look. I'm like, oh, that's so uplifting and perfect for today. Um, so could you give everyone 
your Instagram before we get started. We'll get, we'll definitely give you guys her contact info at the end. But what is your Instagram? Yeah, it's at the Empowered Therapist, all one word. And I've been running the page since about June of last year. So there's a fair amount of content on there now. You have a lot of followers for just June of last year. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's recently, it feels like in the last, I don't know, two or three months that it's really grown and I've gotten a lot of momentum and really a big part of that's like being connected to other therapists and other folks that are in wellness and um, healthcare and things like that. I feel like we've kind of formed a community. And so my message is getting spread. Yeah, no, it definitely is. It's unreal. That's you guys need to check it out for sure. So Danica, before we get started, we were talking before you came on, of course, about chronic illness and depression as a side effect. Mm -hmm. But how and why did you get into the field of counseling? You know, it's it's interesting when I think about my my own process. So I definitely wanted to help people. And I think that that's something a lot of folks will say when they become a therapist or when they start graduate school. But I think like even as a little kid, I was someone who really cared a lot about others and cared about connection. And I'm a highly sensitive person by nature. So I I feel like I'm naturally an empath and can really you know, feel for people when they're going through struggles or heartache or, you know, those sorts of things. And so I think that that led me to want to be in a profession where I connected with folks. Mm. And through doing that, I didn't have the opportunity to go to college right away out of high school. So I earned an esthetician's license, which is like skincare and makeup and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was my first life <laughs> um, as a professional. And now you have a PhD, which you guys, yeah. PhD is a huge accomplishment because it's so academic <laughs> as opposed to some of the more practical. I know uh, from a family of PhDs, it's an incredible, incredible accomplishment. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. I'm just curious, why did you not have the opportunity? I'd love to hear more about that story. Yeah. So I, I grew up in a working class family and my dad has a seventh grade education and my mom completed high school. But just in terms of like financial means and resources, we did not have the educational opportunities that a lot of my peers had. So I didn't grow up thinking I would get to go to college. And I was a high achieving student, but a high achieving student that I don't think my parents really knew what to do with. Mm. Um, and my parents both are are more, or at the time at least, were more in like labor oriented fields and work. And I remember a message my dad used to say to us, like when us being me and my brother when we were little, that people like us work with our hands, not our heads. And so it was really important to me to find a skill or a trade. And because I liked working with people and I thought makeup was fun. I mean, that's truly where this started. I thought makeup was fun. And, sure. and you know, it, that was a program that I could complete in a handful of months. I don't remember now. I think it was like four to six months, something like that. And I went full time and I worked full time while I went to school. And, you know, in a short period of time, I had an actual skill, something tangible. And I, I loved that work. I was able to connect with folks um, in a really different way. You know, I think I helped people from the outside in doing that work. And now I get to help people from the inside out. What an incredible way to phrase it. And such a powerful story. So interesting Thanks. that your dad said that to you as well. Yeah. Did your brother go on? Just curious to go to college or is he in a trade? Yeah, he's more in a trade type job. I'm, I'm a first generation college graduate. Um, so now, you know, I, my Not hope just is... college graduate, doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. My hope is, you know, I think I've got some... Um, some nephews and a niece now. And my hope is that I've been able to, you know, change the framework or the blueprint for what it means to 
go on and succeed and that it could look like a lot of different things, that there's nothing wrong with a trade or trade school, but that advanced education could be another alternative. Mm, so powerful. Um, I, we could talk to you all day long about your story. <laughs> um, and through that process of education, like I said, she mm-hmm. is a doctor and has an incredible amount of experience in treating different a variety, I'm sure, of mental diagnoses. I know that you primarily mm-hmm. deal with trauma. And I think that chronic illness can honestly be classified as a trauma or traumatic yeah. experience for some people. I don't know if you agree mm-hmm. with that. But why is depression such a side effect of chronic illness? We talked about it a little bit before you came on, but in your experience, mm-hmm. why do you think it is? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's a couple different things. You know, if I just think about the way our culture is set up, there's still such stigma around health concerns in general, especially anything that makes someone less mobile or makes someone, you know, less able to partake in like what we might think of as like typical daily activities. There's so much stigma around that. But I just imagine that there's got to be an impact on one's like self-esteem and self-concept when they are not able to function in a way or there may be barriers to functioning um, that the culture really rejects them for. And so if there's this cultural expectation of like performance and achievement and it looking a certain way or bodies doing certain things at certain times and your body doesn't live up to that expectation, that's going to make you feel badly about yourself. And so I think society is a big part of this. So it's a countercultural thing that leads people there. My background is journalism, but also I'm a licensed mental health professional. Do you believe there's a trauma aspect to it too? Because having a chronic illness and being licensed as a professional, I do feel like there is some sort of trauma aspect when you're like, at least for me, when they're like, you have this autoimmune disease, it's like, mm-hmm. now you're labeled. <laughs> yeah. Like- yeah. Well, but I think that's the exact point that, that it, you know, that it's really all about is that someone is labeled and like what that label then means in our culture. So, you know, I don't think, I don't necessarily believe that all people who have a chronic illness or even a disability, I don't necessarily believe that that's always trauma in itself for someone. Sure. I think the trauma really can come in when it's about like not being seen or heard by people in their life Mm. being rejected or having, you know, instances in the culture where like just the world isn't set up for them. Um, and that that would feel really traumatic. And our healthcare system can certainly be very traumatic for folks. We could do a whole show on the, our healthcare system, and we probably will. Um, <laughs> health insurance, our healthcare system. Mm, right. I mean, you literally need to diagnose yourself at this point sometimes. With yeah. Oh, you're so right. Illnesses. Yep. It's like, and then doctors will be like, no, you don't have that. And then it's like, you have to go to another doctor or like, mm-hmm. I know for myself, I was saying before you came on, like, I've had a low count of something and, you know, doctors over the years were like, no, it's nothing. It's nothing. And then a doctor was like, Hey, this is actually could be something. And it's right. just like people, our healthcare system is um, definitely a challenge to navigate at the, mm-hmm. at the very least. Um, mm-hmm. So, And then, like you said, there's other cultural aspects, like even within social circles, I know friends of mine that um, if you miss an event or different, like it Mm. can actually fracture relationships if you're sick and can't show up to things and people don't understand. So there's so many layers to it. Right. Absolutely. Well, and then I think about like if it's something where like you weren't not maybe an illness or um, a pain disorder or something like that you were born with, but something that establishes itself over time, there is potential for that to feel traumatic, like loss of your own mobility, loss of your own 
um, functionality in some way and maybe even needing to be reliant on another person or I don't know, you just that transition of like what you were once able to do that maybe you're no longer able to do and how that loss of autonomy could also lead to some of those mental health concerns that you were talking about, like depression or anxiety, those sorts of things. Yeah, definitely. Um, So Danica, we are all about simple and real life ways to incorporate the things that we talk about into our lives. Mm -hmm. Are there three or four real life ways that people can prevent and combat some of the mental health side effects of having a chronic illness? Yeah. You know, so one of the things I'll often talk about with clients that have, I think, especially I see this a lot with trauma, like a lot of pain concerns or pain related issues is really setting boundaries for yourself around like time and space. So Mm. like, you know, your body and you need to trust your body. So just because someone else wants you to do something doesn't mean you have to do it. You know, if you need to take a day off work, you may be physically well in terms of like your health, um, but like maybe your functionality is not as strong that day. And that that is worth honoring and acknowledging and knowing when you need to take a day off or you need to cancel a plan. Or maybe it's even saying to a friend like, you know what, that restaurant has less accessible seating for me. So can we go somewhere else? And so really being able to acknowledge your own needs so that then hopefully you can set boundaries and assert them. So I think that's one really clear thing that folks can do. So know your boundaries and assert your boundaries and stand true mm-hmm. to yourself and be able to yeah. say to people, you know, well, this is my boundary. I'm sorry. It's a take it or leave it type thing, which is scary because yes. some people will leave it right. <laughs> it can fracture certain relationships, but it is essential in your own process of self-care. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that like extends even to like asking for what you need from medical providers. Um, And that just because a medical provider says something to you, I'm thinking about whether it's a therapist or a medical doctor, it doesn't really matter. Like asking for the research that supports their suggestions. Like just because they went to school doesn't mean they know every single thing. And they're certainly not an expert on you. So being able to assert your needs when like something doesn't make sense to you or the recommendations not working, things like that. So good. And so, so true and important, especially in our culture, like you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. And then I think another one that really comes to mind for me, and this is, you know, just really true um, when I'm working with someone in therapy, it's let's establish and think about who is your support system? Who can you turn to? Uh, That might be like someone in your life that like fully believes and embraces you as you are. Um, It might mean that you find a support group with folks with a similar diagnosis. You know, it could be, I think like even on Instagram, it's finding a community of folks that, that you feel seen or heard by or acknowledged. And then through that, like finding resources and those sorts of things too. Well, that's huge. The social component of it, right? So if you are like we just talked about, if it's in setting boundaries, there may be people setting boundaries with your health professionals, but in your personal life, if you do lose people, you can also, you have the opportunity to gain people mm-hmm. by setting up a new support group. Like those are incredible suggestions, finding an actual support group from what you potentially suffer from mm-hmm. and then honoring the people in your life that do stand by you and really nurturing and embracing those relationships. Right. I know in the field, and you probably know this, there's something, the strength-based perspective. So coming from a strength-based perspective and seeing what is good and positive in your life and nourishing that and those relationships instead of focusing on the people that don't understand. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I think, you know, and that's true for anybody. As we age, we really need to make sure we have relationships where there's reciprocity and equity. And Mm -hmm. part of reciprocity and equity is really that you are being seen for who you are and what you bring into the relationship. And so anyone that treats that as a burden 
that's not someone to have around. That is so good that you mentioned that. Can you explain to everyone listening what that means? Because those may may not be terms that everyone's familiar with. Sure. Yeah. My idea about reciprocity is, you know, if there's a relationship that you're in that it doesn't feel like give and take, where it just feels like maybe you have a friend that takes and takes and takes. And when it comes to you needing something, they're not there. That's an unequal relationship. Mm. Um, Reciprocity to me means that like maybe today you need me and maybe tomorrow I need you or in any conversation um, we can both get our needs met. And that's really, that's the equity component is like, do both people get their needs met? Are both people acknowledged and seen in this relationship? Absolutely. Such important terms and such important attributes to have in relationships. Are there other things we can do to combat mental side effects? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things there, again, with the stigma around mental health is, you know, making sure that you're getting mental health support. So while there may be reasons to go to medical doctors for whatever chronic illness or pain related concern you may have, there's also a need to go to a medical provider that can treat the mental health component. So that might mean a psychologist or another mental health provider for therapy intervention. It might also mean going to a psychiatrist, someone who specializes in psychiatric medicine, because especially with depression, the, the research really shows us that the best outcomes really occur when there's medication plus therapeutic intervention. So talk, so some sort of therapeutic intervention, whether it's talk therapy, as well Mm -hmm. as explore medication options. And if you don't feel comfortable, even just starting out with a therapist and some sort of mental health intervention, like you were talking about talk therapy. Absolutely. And then your therapist may recommend, hey, why don't you try going to a psychiatrist? I know that some people even recommend going to their primary care physician and talking to them Mm -hmm. about what they're experiencing. And then hopefully they can refer you to a psychiatrist or um, a therapist if if you're not comfortable immediately going to a therapist. But I do, I read an article recently, and you may have read this in the New York Times that millennials though are the the therapy generation where now it's sort of eradicating (laughs) that mental health stereotype, which I love. Everyone like talks about their therapist. Oh, well, my therapist said pretty openly as opposed to Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, I go to therapy and it's, you know, off to side and no one talks about it. And I do feel that change and that shift. And do you see it as well in Dallas? I'm in the Northeast. Yeah. You know, I I see it and I don't. I can have one conversation with someone and I'll feel like, wow, things are really shifting. And, you know, this person's sharing with me and I'm not even talking about like a client, like just someone out on the street or whatever mm-hmm. um, will share with me, you know, a really positive experience they've had with a therapist when they learn that I am a therapist. And then likewise, I'll have a, another conversation where it's just someone like um, I had this at a yoga class the other day. Um, one of the other people in the class said, oh, you work with those crazy people no. when he found out I was a therapist. Yeah. And like, this is just someone in the class and um, doesn't know me and, but found out I was a therapist through someone else that was talking. And, you know, so I do think like we have come a long way and there's still such a long way to go. That is so interesting. I haven't experienced that yet. I, I have experienced though, people being like, Oh, you're licensed as a therapist. And then you're, you're talking. Then all of a sudden, almost like you're a doctor or a lawyer, they're like, so I um, have this thing. And it's like, uh-huh. Yes. And then they start telling you about it. And you're like, uh-huh. Like, what do you think about that? I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I think you should see a therapist. Like, right. That's a good idea. Does that happen to you? You know, it's funny. It happened to me more when I was in graduate school than it does now. I think because now I really talk about myself as a trauma therapist. Mm. And I think that maybe that shifts the dynamic a little bit where folks are then 
maybe in a place of like, well, I'm not going to talk to you about my trauma right here in the grocery store. So it happens to me less now right. than it did before. Right. Yeah. Well, trauma therapy is so needed because we all experience trauma, I feel like, in our life to some degree. Yes. So um, anything else, Danica, before we let you go, that if you're experiencing chronic illness can help combat mental health side effects? You know, I think just like acknowledging that what you're experiencing is real and it's worthy and it's valid of your attention and um, that there's, you know, not anything wrong with you, that this is a part of your journey and that, you know, the quicker you can embrace and accept yourself, just the, I think the better you will feel in terms of your mood and emotions and those sorts of things. The acknowledgement is beautiful and knowing that mm-hmm. it is going to get better, that this right. does get better. You will pass through this mm-hmm. if you do acknowledge it. And, and like you said, if you do get support, if you do seek interventions, there is a way to get through it. This isn't a lasting feeling that you're going to have to deal with the entire right. duration of your illness. Right. Exactly. Such great and powerful and beautiful advice. Dr. Danica Harris, co-owner of Empowered Healing in Dallas, private practice where she provides trauma-informed therapy using an interpersonal and attachment-based approach. Danica, can you give everyone your website or some way that if they want to reach out and contact you for a session or if they want to follow you on Instagram, can you give us all your contacts again? Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, I'm at The Empowered Therapist. And my website is empoweredhealingdallas.com. And on the website, there's information about me and my business partner and then our private emails and phone numbers and such that we could be contacted by. Perfect. Dr. Danica Harris, thanks so much for being with us. And as always, if you guys have any mental health concerns, make sure you contact your own individual therapist. And if it's an emergency, we always suggest call 911 or go to your local emergency room. Dr. Harris, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. And we'll be right back on Well Seekers. Look, we're already friends, right? So let's make it official. Just find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Well Seekers. Thanks for being part of the Seekerhood. We couldn't do this without you. Now, back to the show. Thanks so much to Dr. Danica Harris for joining us on Well Seekers. A lot of powerful information in there. I think the one thing that I'd love to say to anyone out there who has chronic illness and maybe suffering from depression is that you are not alone. I have been there. I know plenty of other people with chronic illness who have been there and it will get better. And some of those tools and the advice that Dr. Danica Harris gave is powerful and true and it actually works. Now, one of the things that we love to do here, if you guys listen to the show, is at the end of every show, there's always a tool that I like to to give you for the week for you to check out because I truly believe in the power of narrative, the stories that we hear, the stories that we tell ourselves. I also believe in the power of advice that our guests give, but there's something about having tangible tools that I can actually use that really transformed my life and my happiness. So that's what Wellseekers, the boxes that we create for you guys are all about. But so if you go to the shop and then the featured tools page, that's where you're going to find this week's featured tool. 
So I want to tell you guys about two tools because I love this tool. Okay. Um, the first one is it's really a mental tool to keep your mind sharp. But for me, it really raises my mental spirits and makes me happier. So if you're struggling with depression and maybe you're you're in your house a lot, um, or you're even in bed. This tool is so fun because one, it helps you stretch mentally and two, it just gives your hand something to do. And I know when I'm not feeling well, this is something that I can do. And it's something I do do. It's called an assorted brain teaser and it's a mental wire IQ puzzle. These are hard y'all. So you got to go and check them out um, under the feature tool, the mental wire IQ puzzle. You have to sort of like navigate these puzzles with your hands. They're metal um, linked tools and you have to try to separate them. You think it's so easy. I thought it was so easy. It is so challenging. Check that out because it'll take a lot of time. It's also something if you have a visitor, hand it to them and see if they can do it because people are like, you can't do this. But I'm telling you, these are so challenging and so fun. Now, the other thing I love to do to help raise my spirits are there's, I have to pick, I know I try to pick one, but I'm picking two more. We have something called the Life Happy Self Note stickers that are on our site. I like to put these places around my house to remind me, like they have little sayings on them, like enjoy the little things. Again, I don't endorse any of these products. I just love to find cool things and share them with you guys. Um, But you can link to them easily on our site. If you don't have the money, you can even write yourself these notes and and stick them around the house. Um, but they, the way that they're done, they're so beautiful and fun and they, they raise my spirits personally. The other thing I love to do to help when I'm in a, a mood is the finger labyrinth. So basically they're for stress, anxiety. If you have PTSD, ADHD, they're great for autism. And they're affordable and they really, really work. I used one the other day when I was stressed out about a relationship type thing. Um, I grabbed one instead of going into my refrigerator and it helped a lot. So this week, I know I gave three tools, but I feel like it's for different things. So if you're looking for a mental twist that's also fun and exciting, check out the Metal Wire puzzle set on our site. If you're looking for something to lift your spirits immediately, check out the little happy self sticky notes and then the finger labyrinth tool. Make sure you check that out as well. You guys, if you don't subscribe to the show, go onto our podcast page. There's an RSS feed. You can subscribe to that. And we have a lot of new and exciting stuff coming up that um, I can't wait to share with you guys. So get subscribed to the podcast. And if you guys have any questions or topic ideas as we move into season three, which is so exciting. We're on to season three. Um, Make sure you send us an email. Hello at wellseekers.com. From all of us here at Wellseekers, also before I let you go, make sure to follow us Instagram at Wellseekers, Facebook at Wellseekers, and Twitter at Wellseekers. Thank you all so much for being a part of the Seekerhood. Your stories are powerful. Your lives are powerful. They have touched my life. I know that everyone that works on the show to all of our guests as well that have been on as we wrap up season two. I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you for sharing your personal stories, for sharing your solutions and for sharing yourselves with the seekerhood. There is so much power in your story, in the words we tell ourselves, in your mind that affects your holistic life help. So I hope you guys have learned so much from all of our guests, learned so much from each other, and have learned so much from the show to live a more happy and holistically well life. We're so grateful for each and every one of you and the role that you play in my own life. I just want to say thank you so much. I have so much gratitude and love for all of you. 
We will see you guys in season three. And from all of us here at Well Seekers, thanks for making this show possible. And thanks for listening to Well Seekers. How would you like to join the conversation? Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com.